we're so glad that you've joined us for this next series, Christmas Begins. You know, this time of year is full of hustle and bustle, excitement and hype, and yet at the same time, behind closed doors, people are experiencing tension in their relationships, financial difficulties, and thus the pressure of trying to meet unrealistic expectancies. Well, in this series, we wanna take a look at how we can find joy, how we can be a light in the world, how we can know what it is to have peace in everyday stressful situations. We believe that when our hearts and our mindsets are stable on the inside, that it relieves pressure on the outside. And so we want to say thank you. Thank you for taking time to listen and investing into you. I believe that this message will inspire you and help you to feel like Christmas has truly begun. But we've all been part of school plays. And though we may have been part of the production and though we could probably recite the story, we don't always have a full understanding of what it actually means. And, um, and so, you know, I remember in one of my school plays, I got to be an angel, but the year after that, I'd got to be, I didn't even get to be the innkeeper. I got to be the innkeeper's voice, and that was about it. I was backstage with the microphone, and I got to say, knock, 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 no room at the inn. I didn't even get my face up on the platform. And so that was my experience of school plays. But you know, we sing songs, don't we, about the virgin, um, about the virgin birth. And here's the deal. I raised three boys. And unfortunately, school doesn't always talk about what they're singing about. And so you don't know what your parenting skills are like until you've had to explain to a six and seven year old boy what a virgin is. Because they're like, I have to sing this song. And I'm like, okay. But then they want to understand what it is they're singing. And so then they're asked, you're asked questions like, well, what's her womb? And your parenting skills go to a whole nother level when you've got a six and seven year old boy in front of you and you're trying to explain the virgin's womb to your child so that they can go and be part of the Christmas production and have an understanding of what they're doing. We say things in the school play, knock, knock, you know, there's no room at the inn, but we don't actually tell the children really why there was no room at the inn. We sing songs about these three kings from Orient R. When you're six, what is Orient R? Like, when you're 26, what does Orient R mean anyway? You know, the songs would go on and the older kids would sing, you know, how they traveled so far or they came by car and one on a scooter blowing his hooter and Christmas becomes a little bit blurred and a little bit unclear because I'm from the dinosaur age, so it was before, you know, Wikipedia and social media and Google and so the only translation of the Christmas story you had were from what the other kids in school told you about. The three kings that would bring frankincense, gold and mare. What was mare? You'd be saying to the teacher, I've got to bring mare, I'm the king, and she'd be like, wrap up a box, it'd be fine. Nobody even knew what these things were, but there was significance Nobody bothered to ask the question, why did they not bring nappies and a bottle and a rattle and a cuddly toy? Why did they bring these three gifts? But nobody really explained it to us when we were kids. 
You know, in primary school, we would talk about how the shepherds who were watching their flocks or washing their socks, whichever it was, by night, and the host of angels appeared to them in the night sky. And that's actually the part of the Christmas scene that I'd like to take a look at tonight. It's a part of it where we can very easily gloss over. It's a part of the story that can go quite unnoticed. But actually, these shepherds who were not doing their laundry, but they were in the field and they were watching over their sheep and a whole heavenly host appeared in the sky. Can you imagine for a moment what that was actually like? Sitting on a cold winter's night in a pitch dark field and the sky opens up with a chorus of angels giving glory to God. And they begin to chorus out, peace on earth. And I think it's important for us to understand why they shouted peace on earth. They could have said anything. It was the first night of the festive season. They could have cried out, it's Christmas. In the words of Noddy Holderen, had the whole Slade band going in the sky. They could have cried out anything, but they didn't. They cried out peace on earth. Earth. It's a statement, it's a phrase, it's something that we know so well. This time of year, we see it written on Christmas cards. It's on advent calendars, it's in shop windows, it's on signs and posters, peace on earth. It's a saying that we often quote at this time of year. It's a quote that we say so well, yet do we fully understand what was actually meant on that Christmas night when the angels said, peace on earth. Because I think right now, we live in a day and an age where the reality of the Christmas story feels more alien to this generation than any other generation. I don't think we have six-year-olds asking what's a virgin. I think we have 26-year-olds asking the very same question because that's the society that we live in today. We don't know what is truth and what is a fable. If you to ask people, what is the real Christmas story? They are unsure. Did a virgin have a baby in a manger? Or did the ghost of Jacob Marley really appear to Scrooge? I don't know which one is true and which one is false. We don't know. And so it's important for us as the church to not only know the Christmas story, but understand the true meaning behind it. So I want to have a look at this scene where the angels are singing out, peace, peace on earth because I think it is safe to presume that behind closed doors many people are asking the question what on earth is peace you see peace is a word that we are familiar with but we all have a very different understanding of what peace actually is if you were to ask me several years ago, what is peace to me? I would have shown you an image like this. I would have described an image like this. I'd have said, that's peace to me. Stick me on a beach, preferably with a spa there, and I am in heaven. That to me is peace. But that is not the kind of peace that the angels were shouting about on the first Christmas night. That is a temporary escape. That is a peaceful place. That is a place of rest. That is a stress-free place. 
but it is only temporal and it is only momentary. What happens to us in our world, the way the world understands peace, is we run to a temporary fix, trying to find a permanent solution to a problem. But everything that we see and we perceive and we can get our hands on is only temporal. This is not the peace that the angels were shouting about. You can go on spa days, you can go on holidays, and you can go on escape days. But the truth of the matter is, you still have to come back to your life. You still have to come back and pick up that problem and face that circumstance and live out your reality at some point. What the angels were declaring that night is that one who has been born... It's the one that the prophet Isaiah spoke about over 700 years ago when he said there is one coming to the earth called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and his name is Prince of Peace. He is bringing something supernatural from heaven to the earth to impart into man something that has never been found or seen on the earth before. He is bringing a supernatural peace to give to you right in the middle of your problems. You see, I have found when I was looking into uh, this particular study, that the Bible definition and the dictionary definition of the word peace are very different. Okay, so the dictionary definition for the word peace is freedom from disturbance or problems. And I get that because that's how most people think. If I could just be free from this problem, I would have some peace in my life. If I could just get out of this situation, then I would find some peace in my life. You know, I I remember as a mum when I was raising three children, and my house was carnage most of the time. Three boys that all needed homework doing at the same time. Three boys that all needed feeding at the same time. Three boys that wanted to talk to me at the same time. And if they couldn't get my attention, they'd just speak over each other. They were demanding. Two of them would be fighting. The other one would be drawing up the wall somewhere. And I just feel like my head was going to fall off. I just need some peace. And so I'd go into our bathroom because it was the only room with a lock on the door. And I would lock myself in and I would run the shower and I'd sit on the bathroom floor with the magazine. And I had peace. It was amazing. But the problem with that kind of peace is the minute you turn the shower off and they hear the water has stopped, she's accessible again. The peace is over because it's only temporary. The Bible definition is not freedom from your problems, but the biblical definition is freedom in your problems. Okay, when the angels announced peace on earth, they were talking something more like this picture. Now, I don't know if you can see, but if we zoom in a little bit more, we can see that there is a bird nesting right in the middle of the chaos. Right in the middle of the storm, there is a bird that has found perfect peace. Though it is raging on the outside, the bird is not flapping, the bird is not stressing, the bird is calm. 
The bird is at ease and he's found a place to shelter. He's found sanctuary in the middle of the storm. You see, every single one of us in here, we need peace in our life. But until we come to realize that Jesus Christ is the only one who can give you perfect peace, because it is not something that can be found in this world. And until we realize that it is only him, we will forever be finding a temporary counterfeit in something else. We will forever be looking to find peace in a relationship. We will forever be looking to someone to give us something to make our life more peaceful. We'll be ever looking for peace and fulfillment in a one night fling. We will forever be looking to escape our reality in another bottle of alcohol. We will be forever be looking to calm our nerves by smoking yet another cigarette because everything that comes along is just a temporary measure. We will overspend money on more cars and more holidays and more stuff because we're trying to make our life feels sweeter, better, and more peaceful. And we need to realize that it is not found in a place. It is not found in a person. But the answer to your problem is in the name of Jesus. Now, in John 16, let me read the first half of this, of this message, um, of this scripture to you. The first half says this, Everything I have taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. Do you know that you are most confident when you are at peace? You have a confidence about you when you have an inner peace within you. You are confident in your job. You are confident as a parent. You are confident you go about your uni campus. You are confident in that interview. You are confident in all that you have to do and go about in life when you are at a place of perfect peace. When you lose your peace, you lose confidence. And when you understand, you see, when Jesus comes into your life, he doesn't just give you peace. But speaking to all of those who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior now, when he comes into your life, he brings all that he is and it comes into you. He brings all that he is into you. And when you fully understand that the peace of Jesus is inside of you, you will understand that what he's given to you can never be taken away, not by a person and not by a problem. And so often I hear Christians speaking and I think, We get our dialogue wrong. We say things slightly wrong. I often hear people say, oh, I just lost my peace. I just lost my peace over that situation. I got into that conversation and and I just lost my peace. Well, here's the thing. You can't lose your peace. You can't lose something that God gave of himself to you. You can't lose your peace, but you can give it away. And you can get into situations and you can get into circumstances where you give your peace away. Anytime you lose your temper, you just gave your peace away. Anytime you just gave in to listening to that little bit of gossip, you just gave your peace away. 
Any time you just compromised on your morals or your values or you just went that bit too far with your relationship, you know what you did? You just gave your peace away. The second part of that scripture in John 16 says this, For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. There is a nice, cheery Christmas message for you right there. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But, he says, be courageous, for I have conquered the world. You see here what Jesus is saying is, I know your future. I am already in your future. I have seen the end of your life from the beginning of your life. I know everything you're going to experience and everything that you're going to go through. And so I have made a place for you to find sanctuary, for you to find rest, for you to be calm, for you to be stress-free. Whilst you go through what you go through in this life, I have already been to the end of it and I have overcome it and I have made a place, a way for you to find absolute peace. Here's the thing. You will experience trouble in this world. We all will. None of us get through it trouble-free. Not possibly, but most definitely, you're going to go through stuff. The girlfriend will finish with you. The divorce that you never thought you would go through, you might find yourself going through. The job will fire you. The bank won't lend to you. The kids will hate you. And there will be days when you find McDonald's fries down the edges of the seats in your car. And they will be the days that tip you right over the edge. These are trials and tribulations. But Jesus said, be courageous because none of this in your life is a shock to me. Because I've seen every one of your days. Therefore, I already saw the lie that was told to you. I know the one who cheated on you. I know where you were misrepresented and misunderstood. I have seen the battles that you've had to fight. But here's the deal. When you accepted me as Lord and Saviour, I put something inside of you that would counteract all that would come against you, and it was my perfect peace. You see, God promises you peace. He doesn't promise you the absence of problems. The absence of problems is not where you find peace. It's knowing the presence of the prince in the problem is where you'll find your peace. There's a story in the Bible, in the New Testament, where Jesus is on a boat and he's crossing over the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. And the prequel to this story, Jesus has been, um, he, the prequel to the story is he's been in Capernaum. And actually the heading in my Bible says, Jesus heals everyone. I mean, stop. Can we just think about that for a minute? Imagine if it was Jesus had been in Liverpool and the title was Jesus heals everyone. Can you imagine the masses, the crowds, the multitudes, the magnitudes, and he had healed everyone. That day, the sick, the lame, the maimed, the blind, the, 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 the mentally um, sick, the physically sick, he had healed and touched everyone. So they got on this boat, and they're going across the Sea of Galilee, him and his disciples. 
And Jesus is exhausted. And I get it. Because when you're ministering out of your life to people, it's tiring. He has just been in Capernaum and ministered to thousands. So he goes to the bottom of the boat and he sleeps. But while he's on this boat, a storm hits. And the storm, the Bible says, was really severe storm. Now the thing is, these disciples were avid sailors. Now, I don't know what you're like at flying, but I'm okay with flying. I fly quite a bit. I enjoy flying, but I do not enjoy turbulence. But here's the thing with turbulence. You have to just look at the face of the cabin crew. Just look at the face of the cabin crew. Because here's the deal. If their face stays normal and they carry on their business as normal, then you can be at rest. You can breathe because this is okay. But if they should raise an eyebrow or if they look at one another, you should panic. Because these people fly all the time. And so if their faces give off a signal that this ain't right or this ain't normal, you should really panic. If you were aboard this boat, you'd be freaking out big time. Because these boys knew the waters better than anybody else. They could predict the weather, they knew the tides, and they knew the current. And it says they feared for their lives. I could just imagine the scene, them fearing for their lives. They would have been screaming out, crying out to God. But let's just remember, they've just seen Jesus in Capernaum, healing lame people, opening blind eyes, restoring health, doing miracles, signs and wonders. The same Jesus is on the boat with them, albeit he's asleep, but he's still on the boat with them. And now... They're fearing for their lives. I mean, they're freaking out. I don't know if you've ever prayed freak out prayers when it's just like, oh God, save me. God, do something. God, help me. Like, God, I know you're always with me because I read my Bible and the Bible says you'll never leave me or forsake me. And I sing songs about you every single Sunday that, that when I go through the fire, you'll be there. And when I go through the waters, you'll be there. I know it because I sing it and I read it and I say it and I pray it. But right now, God, my life is falling apart and I'd like to know where are you sleeping? Are you there, God? Where are you? Because the seasons of your life, when it feels like God has just gone to sleep. And so they go downstairs and they wake Jesus up. And they're like, Jesus, you need to wake up because we are dying. And Jesus wakes up and he's not a bit disturbed. He's not freaking out. He looks at them. And the first thing he does is he challenges their faith. And he says to them, why are you afraid? Like he questioned, why are you afraid? You see, here's the thing. You can't know what peace is until you've experienced peace in your life. And you can't experience peace until you first experienced a storm. And some of the storms that you go through in life are not sent to take you out. Some of them are just to find out what's within. Because it's okay to stand here on a Sunday and sing about a faithful God. 
It's okay to pick your Bible up on a Monday and be like, yeah, I know you're there, Lord. I know you're with me because my life is in a great place. But what when the storm hits? What comes out then? What comes out then? Is it the voice of faith or is it the voice of fear? I think Jesus looked at his disciples and I think he was sort of saying to them, you know, are you going to let this storm rob you of a good night's sleep? Seriously? Are you going to let it take your peace? I mean, I know it sounds scary and I know it looks terrifying, but you don't have to lose rest over this storm. You don't have to let anxiety spiral out of control because of this storm. You don't have to allow dark thoughts to race around your mind because it's just a storm. And I've already told you, I have overcome the world. So I'm asleep because the peace on the inside of me is greater than the storm that rages on the outside of me. And I want to speak to you today as Christians and say, the same Jesus that slept in the boat because the peace inside of him was greater than the storm on the outside lives in the hearts and the lives of you believers. So how is it for you in your storm? How is it for you in your storm? Do you still believe that he is there? Do you still believe that he is an overcomer and a conqueror? Do you place your life like that little bird and know that even though it's raging on the outside right now, even though the relationship has hit rock bottom, even though the job is on the line, even though I'm going through a health diagnosis right now, it just seems all a little bit crazy on the outside. <clears throat> but in here, yeah, I know I'm like that little bird. I've got sanctuary. I've got rest. I'm not going to lose a night's sleep. I'm certainly not going off my food. Because I have the peace of God on the inside of me. God promises peace, but he does not promise the absence of problems. You see, the idea of God's peace is it's a place that you abide in. It's not a place you go to when all of a sudden you feel like there's a crisis hit. It's a place you live in. It's not a place you run to. It's a place where you dwell and where you live. We have to learn the art of living in peace, even under pressure. We have to know that we can live in perfect peace even when we're under pressure. <clears throat> if all I had to do in life was look after me, I reckon I could do a pretty good job. If all I had to do was focus on me, then I could really sort myself out. Body, soul, and mind, I could work on getting an all-round healthy me. But that's not a reality in life. The reality of life is that pressures are added to you. And as we go through life, we pick up a lot more stuff. And so we get married. And so now there's a spouse to think about, not just you to think about. And we take on a, a home. And so we have a mortgage to pay and we have repayment responsibilities and throw in there a couple of kids as well. And then you're really feeling the pressure of life. But as we go through life, we, as we mature as adults, we begin to grow with the responsibilities and we learn to carry much and we have 
a full-time job on top of that as well. We have a career. And so we learn the art of stretching and balancing and carrying more pressure as we go through life. But what we cannot control is the stuff that happens around our life that we never foresaw coming and that we did not expect. When you get the redundancy that you were not expecting, when you go through the divorce that you never thought would happen to you, when you get the health diagnosis that you never for one moment thought you'd have to cope with in life. And all of a sudden, with these extra added pressures, you are buckling under the pressure. No, no longer are you coping and managing the weights in life, but you're feeling like you're going down under them. And not only that, you've lost your vision. You can't see clearly where you're going anymore. Everything feels like it is just a blare. You can't no focus and you're carrying so much extra weight. But when you have a relationship with Jesus, he says in Matthew 11, come to me, you who are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I think we need to understand what that is and stop making it a quote or a phrase that we just say. Come to me. You see, what we do is we pray our problems away to God, and when we finish our prayers, we take on all the worry and all the stress and all the anxiety again. And God says, either you've given them to me, or not, but let's stop playing seesaw with the problems. So he says, come to me who are weak and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He says, I will take the pressures of life. I will relieve that anxiety for you. I will take you through the next step. I will help you with the decisions that you have to make. And what happens when we go to God is that even though we're still carrying it, we're not feeling the weight of it. And even though the problem may still be with us, there is a freedom. And we can function and we can go through our life and we can know that he has got the weight of it. He says, let me take the burden. Let me take the weight. You're going to have clear vision. You can see where you're going. You're still going to be able to do and cope with much in life. And people are going to look upon your life and they're going to say, how are you carrying what you're carrying and yet you're still smiling? How have you not lost your peace? How are you not falling apart? How have you got that incredible burden? Thank you. How have you got that incredible situation going on in your life, but you're managing to keep it all together? Because that's what it looks like when you live your life in perfect peace. Do you know what the most um, common thing that pushes people to the brink of suicide is? It's when they feel like they have to carry the weight of life by themselves. Robin Williams, in my opinion, was one of the funniest men that God graced this planet with. I grew up watching his movies. I loved every single one of them. And um, I think it was just an incredibly sad moment when he took his life several years ago. But his wife made a statement and she said his suicide was down to a diagnosis of an illness that he got. And he didn't feel like he could carry the weight of that alone. So he opted out of life. Fame and fortune and finances do not bring peace 
into your life. They do bring about a temporary substitute, but it is only temporary. They don't bring peace to your racing mind or a stillness to your troubled soul. You know, when Jesus left this world, he said these words, he said a few things to his disciples. His disciples were all freaking out at the thought of him leaving the earth. His disciples were freaking out because they were like, well, what do you mean you're going? I thought you were going to be with us forever. Well, what do you mean you're leaving us? Who's going, to, who's going to help us? Who's going to tell us what to do? How do we know how to do this thing called ministry in life if you're going to go? And this is what Jesus said in John 14. I'm leaving you with a gift. The gift is peace. Peace of mind and peace of heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or do not be afraid. The peace that I give is a gift. The world cannot give it. Of all the things that Jesus could have left us with, He left us with the gift of peace. Of all the things, He could have left us with money. He could have left us with some answers to some really difficult questions. He could have left us with a set of wings and said, just flap up to heaven every time it gets a bit hard down here. But He didn't. You see, He's the one who's been to the end of your life and back again. Psalm 123 says He's seen all of your days before you've even lived one of them. Therefore, He knows what's ahead of us for every single one of us. So He said everything else can be figured out. Everything can be figured out with this one thing you're going to need. You're going to need peace because without it, nothing else works. Peace will be your hope and peace will be your strength. Peace is what will guide you through this life. Peace will help you forgive the person that you don't want to forgive. Peace stops the quarreling. Peace wins the fight. Peace silences the enemy every time. Peace. From your place of peace, your wisdom will come. You know, the Holy Spirit is the voice of peace on the inside. And you have to train your spiritual ear to listen to that inner voice of peace. Because if you don't, you will end up ignoring it. And then what happens is you become the Christian who sings about God, who reads about God, but doesn't actually know how to follow God for himself. And every time you come up against a situation, you're phoning a friend or you're putting it out there on Instagram, trying to see what everybody else would say that you should do. But I promise you, if you've been saved for five minutes, the peace of God can speak to you peace and we've got to train our ear to hear that voice. Every time something isn't quite right in your life, he'll give you that inner nudge. It's his forewarning. Don't get into that conversation. You're about to give your peace away. Don't go there in that relationship. Feel my warning. You're about to give your peace away. Don't compromise those morals and those values. Hello, I'm here. I'm on the inside of you. You're about to give your peace away. Peace is your advantage point because it's something the world can't give you. It's something the world can't provide for you. You can't find.
find it in, in fancy clothes and a new set of nails. You can't find it in a, in a holiday and a new car and a new house. You can't emigrate and find perfect peace because it is not found within this world. Peace is the perks of being the king's kid. Peace is your advantage point because the world doesn't have it. And sometimes we're busy saying, how come they can do all that stuff? And as a Christian, it sucks because I can't do those things. But you're in an advantage because you're following the one who's been to the end of your life and seen it all and come back. And he said, now I'm going to take you through it the safest way possible peace. The first Christmas night when the angels chorus peace on earth, they were saying, guess what? Something that can only be found in heaven has come to the earth. God has sent the Prince of Peace. He's seen how mankind struggles. He knows the greatest battles you have are in your mind. And therefore He said, for everyone who believes in me and calls upon my name and accepts me as Lord and Saviour, the Prince of Peace will dwell on the inside of him and forever bring a calmness and bring a stillness, even at the most difficult points of their life. Romans 5 tells us this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. I want to extend this invitation and we're going to go through this in just a few moments when we wrap the service up. But what this scripture here is telling us is that by asking Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour, you can make your peace with God. And I promise you this, you can't truly make your peace with anybody else until you've first made your peace with God. So salvation gives you peace with God. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are on you. This shows me that you can be a Christian you can have peace with God and still not know peace in your soul, still not know peace in your life. And Isaiah says here, He will keep in perfect peace everyone whose thoughts are fixed on Him. That doesn't mean you have to walk around like a Christian zombie every single day. But it means that every day, in every way, whatever you are involved in, whether it be school or work or, or whatever your everyday brings, be mindful that the presence and the person of God is with you, within you and watching you. Watch your mouth, watch your actions, watch your texting and your Instagram feed because God is ever present. And those whose thoughts are fixed on Him. He will keep you in perfect peace. And finally, as we finish, Psalm 34 says, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And I just find this incredible because the world will tell us that peace is a feeling and you feel peace. You feel peaceful. But that's not what the Bible tells us here. It says that you have to make a choice and you have to pursue it. Pursuing peace looks like going after what is right, even when you don't feel like going after what is right. 
Pursuing peace looks like making right choices, even though you don't want to make those choices because it's not what you feel like doing right now. It means forgiving when you don't want to forgive that person because they've really offended you. It means like saying sorry, even when you don't feel like you've really done the wrong thing. It just means like putting some full stops and some commas in your life. It means upping your morals and upping your values. It means pursuing peace means go after it. With everything in your being, whatever you do with your life, pursue peace. And the Prince of Peace will be with you. Church, let's stand in here this evening. Hey, thanks so much for watching that message. I hope you feel encouraged. I hope you feel inspired. Please check us out on all of our social and media platforms on Instagram and on Facebook at Liverpool One Church. And also keep your eyes on our YouTube channel for more upcoming messages and events.